0: walk as children of the light in the name of god father son and holy spirit amen please be seated good morning everybody today uh, we are going to look at the epistle together so if you would grab your bibles and turn to uh page 150 in the blue pew bible if you're using that ephesians chapter five and we're looking at paul teaching us how to live as children of the light in a world surrounded by darkness. It may be a little bit too soon after St. Paddy's Day to talk about beer for some of you. I'll let that catch up with you. Right. <laughs> Here's a story uh, that I couldn't resist sharing with you because sometimes when we read or hear things like, you know, live as children of the light, you're wondering, I'm wondering, do, did, what does that mean, Paul? Do I just walk around with a smile all the time? Do I just stay lighthearted? I mean, light and darkness, these terms can seem ethereal, but... In this part of Ephesians, especially, Paul gets really practical. So what does it look like to live as children of the light? Here's a story that I thought of around St. Patty's Day that reflects this. It comes from, by the way, a wonderful book called 32 Christians Who Changed the World by Glenn Sunshine. Sunshine uh, is a friend of mine. He tells the story like this. There was a man named Arthur Guinness, a name you probably recognize, living in the 1700s an ardent evangelical Christian, as we would define him today. He loved Jesus. His life motto was, my hope is in God. And at a time in history, in his little neck of the woods, when the water was not very healthy to drink, people around him had to choose between either drinking unhealthy water and getting sick, or drinking gin and getting drunk. (laughs) And so, Arthur brews a type of low-alcohol beer that had the heft of a loaf of bread. Do you know to which beer I'm referring right now? It was dark and heavy and delicious, and we... I'll stop right there, but... (laughs) He was hoping to add not just a healthy alternative to the dirty water, but also some nutrition to the average poor person's diet. And he did just that. He was influenced by John Wesley. He believed that his Christianity really didn't make any sense unless it directly impacted the society in which he lived. He was not a clergy person. He was a businessman. What does it look like to live as children of the light? I have no idea. It's as varied as all of what you're doing out there Monday through Friday. That's what it looks like. He donated his beer proceeds to hospitals and prison reform. And get this, he spoke out against a common way of dealing with conflict in his time, which was dueling. Some of you are like, man, I've really, sometimes I think dueling would be, let's bring it back. Guinness spoke out against it. Christians saying, hey, maybe there's a better way to deal with conflict What does it look like to walk as children of the light? This is what Paul is teaching the Ephesians. Now, why does this matter to the Ephesians? Because the Ephesians are Gentile Christians. Remember in the Bible story, Gentiles were not part of uh, the Jewish family, not part of God's covenant people. They, in a sense, were cut off from God and removed from him. They were totally in the dark about the ways of God. They worshiped many gods, But they did so, as you can find out in your history books, in ways that were, shall we say, not holy at all, involving drunkenness and sexuality and all kinds of stuff misused. So Paul is teaching the Ephesians who come from this kind of culture and are basically still surrounded by it, hey guys, here's what you do to live as children of the light. Sometimes the darkness can feel overwhelming though, can't it? I mean, that's part of the confusion for us. I'm thinking of, uh, uh, in light of what do we do with the darkness around us, especially when it feels overwhelming, remembering a, um, a Peanuts comic strip from the great theologian Charles Schulz. He has Charlie Brown talking to pious Linus, right? The brother of Lucy, who's the uh, kind of fuss budget. Uh, character And Linus comes up to Charlie Brown holding a sweet single candle, and he says uh, something like, uh, he's quoting a Christian proverb, it's better to light a single candle in the world than to uh, curse the darkness, something like that. And then Charlie in the next uh, little square says, well, some people might disagree with you. And then in the final square, it's uh, Linus's sister Lucy who's standing in front of an ink blot of total black, the darkness, and she's screaming you stupid darkness what do we do with the darkness as my friends in the Colson Center say, outrage is not a strategy outrage for Christians is not a strategy of dealing with the darkness, here are four Ways to deal with the darkness and live as children of the light, like Arthur Guinness, in our day, from Ephesians 5. Here they are all at once, and then we'll go through them briefly together. First, Paul says from Ephesians 5, you've got to recognize the darkness, and second of all, you've got to resist it. Third, you've got to research the light because it's hard to figure out sometimes, and then you've got to reflect it. So recognize and resist the darkness, research and reflect. The light. This is how we live as children of the light. Here's number one recognize the darkness. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. Paul tells the Ephesians, Once you were darkness. Not you came from darkness, you were with darkness, you were darkness. But now in the Lord, you are light. Live as children of the light. I, I don't know how this hits you. But as I hear words this serious and this stark and this um, uh, unrelenting, I get a little afraid because we are, all of us in our world today, divided by so many silly things. I mean, trivial things divide us. And so when the time comes to actually be divided by truth, it's sort of hard to say. Everyone's like... No, let's, let's just all, come on, let's all stay together. You know, we're, we're not that bad. Paul says, no, it's serious. There's a separation in humanity. There is a light and a darkness, and it's real. Once you were darkness, now you are light. There's no other way to get around this. This is what Jesus does. Um, it, it, so you've got to recognize its seriousness, but also recognize how it's not just a surface level thing. Like, it's not about behavior for Paul as much as it is being. Light and darkness are not issues of behavior primarily, they're issues of being, and behavior comes from that. Um, I, I, I wonder if you remember that verse in Ephesians 2 a little bit earlier in the letter. Ephesians, you were dead in sin and now you are alive in Christ. Paul is talking about at light and dark at the level of being. Um, I think of uh, passing by elementary schools around us and seeing those cute signs. This is character week, and every day we're talking about this ethical piece and this moral piece d martin lloyd jones the great preacher comments on this level of seriousness that paul's getting at this level of being with light and dark and morality and ethics and he says it like this the new testament isn't interested in morality in and of itself it's not interested in morality as an idea it's not interested in sins and uh uh, in and of themselves because they're bad because they're they're evil consequences and the nefarious results Lloyd-Jones says, no, Paul concentrates here on the incompatibility of sin with who we are and what we are. It's the level of being. Now this is really hard. It's hard to speak this truth from the scriptures and not sound as Christians like pompous, self-righteous, tone-deaf, goody-two-shoes. Are you with me? How do we do that? But. Maybe it's like this, because Jesus taught us to start by recognizing the darkness, not out there. Y'all are all bad and going to hell, but in here, in here. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who, what? Trespass against us. So recognizing the darkness starts in me. One story you might have heard, uh, who knows if it's true, but it certainly fits this man's wit and humor and brilliance. It's about the wonderful English author, G.K. Chesterton, uh, in in that the London Times, years ago, sent out a request to a number of famous authors asking them to comment, to write an essay on, what is wrong with the world? And Chesterton's response, reportedly, was this, dear sirs, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. We live as children of the light by recognizing the darkness, its seriousness, how deep it goes, and that, that starts with us. Here's number two, resist the darkness. Look at verse 11. Paul says, don't just recognize it in yourself first, but resist it. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. What does this mean, expose the darkness? I think there are a lot of bad cultural examples of this that we can think of, Uh, you know, that voice on the podcast or in the book or uh, on the radio or on the TV screen or on the street that's shouting, we all must stand and fight, call out the darkness of these heathens, how dare they, let's... Subscribe to my podcast. <laughs> the world, uh, who isn't listening by the way, the world needs to hear this. That they're wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. We need to get back to the good old days. You know what I'm saying? What does it mean to expose the darkness? I'm not sure that that's it. When I think of resisting and exposing the darkness as children of the light, I can't help think of my, uh, my single friends, both Gay and straight, mind you, who have surrendered their lives to following Jesus and are prayerfully and daily wrestling with what it means to live out the traditional Christian ethic of sexuality, which they understand to be, in their case, celibacy. That is the Christian teaching. In a world where such a stance is unthinkable. In fact, uh, I I spent some time with some of these friends recently and... um, their, most, of their, uh, most of their relational world outside of church just makes fun of them. This, this deep, deep conviction that they have that this is what it means for them to be light in the world, they're just made fun of. Their sacrifice in this culture is staggering. And I just got to say, the reward in part must be, I, I don't know what else the Lord has in store for them, but I can tell you this, uh, as far as I've experienced God has made these men and women into people who know the depths of Christian friendship and intimacy in ways that I dare say I never will as a married straight dude. And I think Paul would be cheering them on. Resist the darkness. Expose the darkness. Just keep being you. We live as children of the light, not just by recognizing it, but resisting it. And now, third, Paul says, you got to research the light. This is a little bit strange. Look at verses 9 and 10. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So Paul describes the light as producing something here, like a plant. Like it is with, with fruit. And what is the fruit that grows on it? Well, it's the opposite of the fruit That grows on the darkness tree, which gets mentioned in verse 3 above our verses. And it sounds like this, fornication, impurity, and covetousness. Ephesians, this is the world. You know this, Ephesians. This is where you came from. This is what you were like. Fornication, impurity, covetousness. That's what it looks like when the darkness bears fruit. So what is the fruit of light? All that is good and right and true. He matches them. What is fornication, impurity, and covetousness when it gets exposed and transformed in the light? All that is good, right, and true. Then he says something really interesting. Try to learn what pleases God. Uh, One translation puts it, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Uh, Someone else says, figure out what is right. You see, the point here is discern. There's discernment involved. Now, when I hear this, I'm thinking, Paul, no, please don't. Don't, like, this is hard as it is. I've got a list of commandments that we just chanted together, and I'm not doing that well at keeping them. And now you want to make me try to sort of figure the rest of it out? That sounds awful. <laughs> so how do we research the light then? How do we do it? What does he mean by try to try to learn what pleases the Lord? Well, we know elsewhere from Paul's writings that he's really... Uh, 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 fascinated by this idea of God renewing our mind, that our mind, the way we think, the way we take in the data from the world starts to change. We start to see it from our gospel reading with new eyes. We were blind, but now we see. And how we think about the world becomes different. So we've got the Romans passage, which by the way gets read often before Eucharist, right? Uh, uh, Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You've got the Colossians passion, set your minds on things above where Christ is seated. Or um, in Philippians, have this mind in you, which is also in Jesus Christ. There's a constant focus on renewing your mind. It's a relational, ongoing process of working with God, wrestling with God to find out what does it mean, God, to be light in this world. Spoiler alert, it is not easy. It is not easy. In fact, I think of a friend who has uh, endured uh, quite a painful marriage. And while he's not, let's say he's not innocent in the marriage. I mean, it's hard to be married and innocent. Can I get an amen? He's not the one. He's not the one in this situation who bears the 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 main responsibility for the pain in his marriage, uh, for the betrayal. And everybody around him has said, uh, uh, his friends, his family, his counselors and pastors, they've all advised him, look, man, you, you need to move on. Could just, we're, we're, we're for you, we're with you, we're, we're also for your wife, but this has gone far enough. And he's, he, so he's got the so-called biblical grounds, right, to, to get divorced or something. But after giving a lot of thought and prayer with eyes wide open to the pain that he's experienced, he has nevertheless come to the conclusion that at least for right now, staying married is what God is calling him to do, to, to be faithful. Everybody around him, pastors included, I count myself in that number have said, mm, I don't know, man, this, this, this doesn't look good. He said, I don't know, Josh, I feel like God is calling me to do this. What does it mean to research the light in your life? It might look distinctly different from the world around you. In fact, God might be opening your eyes to truth in his word that others find hard to see. Figure out what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what it means to be a child of the light. Okay, so recognize the darkness and it starts in here. Resist it. And research, discern, figure out, study what it means to be the light in the world, like Arthur Guinness did in his one little spot of earth. And then finally, reflect that light. Look at verses 13 and following. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now here at the end of our passage, St. Paul goes back to the sheer power, the reality of the uh, transformative power of light. It's the light in us can not only expose the darkness, but actually transform it. You got to imagine the Ephesians were thinking, I think we're good examples, right? Because we were darkness and now we've been transformed by the light into light. What light touches it transforms that's how powerful it is. I think of the moment in our baptismal liturgy at the end when, and this is a part of church history in one way or the other, whether it's in the it's spelled out explicitly in the prayer book or not, but the newly baptized is given a candle. And that's the theme. It matches the, the baptismal identity. They rise out of the waters and now they do so as the light of the world. Baptismal waters, new identity, light of the world, take the light, be the light wherever you go, wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever your married, single, relational situation is, be the light. You have that kind of power. It's cool because we don't really know where Paul gets this last little piece in our passage. It's not from scripture. Some scholars think it may have come from a song that was sung at the earliest baptisms. A Waco sleeper, rise from the dead. Pope Francis describes children of light as reflecting light like windows. He says the purpose of the Christian life is to become so filled with the light of Jesus that gradually the evil and the darkness, the scum of sin, just like we all experienced with these very windows not many years ago, are removed, cleaned off. And what happens? We become transparent and God's light shines through us and it permeates the world around us. I close with this brief story earlier. um, um, Actually, it was in in November. So a few months ago, um, we were at home with my daughter, Daphne and Lucy, uh, seven and four. We were looking at a Christmas icon, the nativity icon. And in, in the picture of uh, the, Mary and uh, Joseph and the, the uh, baby Jesus, you know, they've got the quintessential halos on their faces, right? Looks like their heads are on fire in Christian art. You know what I'm talking about? That's how you kind of know who p- people are in, in the, these Christian images. They were glowing. And Lucy, my four-year-old, says, Dad, what's on those people's heads And I tried to say something like, well, it's like they're glowing because, um, forgive my daddy example, but they're glowing because like God's glory is like so, you know, fill them up that that that's like, it's pouring, it's pouring out of their heads. That sounds weird. It's, it's making them glow. They're, they're, they're so full of God, so full of light, so full of glory. And then Lucy, She says, here, touch my arm. I touch her arm and she says, there, I gloried you. G-L-O-R-Y, I think that's an apostrophe D, gloried. I gloried you, dad. Imagine Christian brother and sister and whatever your space in this world is, imagine everywhere you go tomorrow, glorying people. You can't even help it. You spill your coffee and say, I just gloried you, right? You hand them the paperwork, you got gloried. I mean, that's what we're talking about. That's what it means to be children of the light. And even on your worst day, you can always go back to those people and say, I really blew it. Because people don't even know how to ask forgiveness, right? B.G.K. G.K. Chesterton to them. What's wrong with this office? It's me. What's wrong with this marriage? It's me. What's wrong with this world? It's me. That's being light in the world. That's glorying people. Amen.